It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the first of May. The Rocket Series. Let's pretend it's just getting started and dig in to what they do. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're doing great. Uh, nice to have you with us today. Or with me. Uh, this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, Geeky little numbers, as well as hopefully a peek behind the scenes. Uh, I thought the best way to approach today is probably to look at who the Rockets are. Almost pretend as though we never had game one and really look at the Rockets' offensive side of the ball, preview them a little bit. Um, This is kind of the – and the more I've talked to people around the team yesterday – uh, it's pretty clear that that was not our team, that they were just dead tired, um, on empty from the previous series, from the travel, lack of preparation, uh, and, you know, they were down 25 at halftime. Uh, I'm not a big believer that, oh, there's all the stuff you can take from the second half. Uh, I think Houston relaxed. Uh, so now you've got a team that uh, has beat us five straight times this year, handled us pretty well. And we've got to find a way to probably win four out of five. It makes it awfully tough. We'll go for four out of six if we can do that. Uh, but but this is not an easy task. So let's go just to who their profile is. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how different they are to guard in two primary elements of uh, compared to the a team uh, like Oklahoma City and why this transition is difficult. And then we'll talk about uh, one of their two of their kind of other plays that they run when things having watched them. Uh, I went back and watched parts of game one and actually ended up watching more of Minnesota Houston uh, in the sense that I just didn't think we were anywhere near ourselves. And there was not a lot to take from that. I don't know if Quinn's finding the same thing. That would be a that would be a little bit of a bummer if the feeling is that there's just not even that much to take from uh, from that. We'll see. So here are the, the today's show, by the way, brought to you by Mizuma USA, by Devin Cash, and by Murdoch Hyundai. Uh, so they're 16th in the league in drives. So they don't, we're number one, but they're the fourth best at it. They're 28th in the league in passes. So. They're not gonna. We're not seeing a lot of ball movement. Uh, they're come. They're they're bringing it up. They're completely comfortable in letting either Harden or Chris Paul just handle and uh, get an early easy look or a one pass uh, to a shot. We're probably exact opposite, right? We actually ended up this year uh, sixth in the league in passes. Um, Oh, actually, they're they're 30th in the league in passes now. Um, they slipped behind Oklahoma City 
uh, by the end of the year, um, which is interesting. I didn't I didn't realize it's not it doesn't change anything. It's just those those that's the similarity. Uh, as I said in uh, their drive game, uh, is just kind of in the middle of the pack. Uh, they'll come at you. They'll come at you with it a little bit more. They used it more in the second half of the season uh, than they did in the first half of the season. Uh, early in the year, they were in the middle, dead middle of the pack. And then when I ran some uh, numbers on, say, post-All-Star break, uh, they ended up being a little bit more active than if you took it from February 1st to the end of the regular season on about April 15th. I think that actually might have been the first day of the playoffs. Uh, April 12th, and you ran where they were in drives. I thought that was kind of worth noting is that they, they jumped up the ledger um, a tiny bit. Uh, we stayed first in the league by a good margin. Toronto was second. Then the uh, in regards to off-ball screens, they don't really do it. So you're not there's they have one set we'll get into today, but they're actually still mostly on ball. So you're not going to see the Warriors type of off ball screens. Uh, Portland runs a lot of off ball screens. They're they're not an off ball screen team. They're last in the NBA by a, by a large margin. Uh, the second to last team runs forty eight a night. They run forty. So absolutely no off ball screens uh, from them. Picks, now we're talking. Now we're to the game. So we're into a very few passes, high pick game. They run the third most in the league, 10 fewer than we do. We run the most. Uh, and then they're the, the second best and third best in the league with New Orleans uh, coming off the pick. Boy, you think this is a pick and roll league? Golden State, New Orleans, Houston, Toronto, top four team, Cleveland, top five teams in efficiency on picks. The they won't post up, and then the uniqueness that we talked about a little bit later yesterday is they're the number one isolation team in the league, but they're so much better than everyone else. They're at one point one points per isolation. Everybody else is at the next best is the Lakers at point nine seven, Sacramento at point nine six, the Clippers at point nine six, and they're at one point one point per isolation and running them. Uh, far more than, than anyone else you're going to find. And then the last one is handoffs. They don't, they don't really do that either. So they're, they're very, you know, and it's interesting. I was doing some analysis yesterday uh, for s- some people that kind of were asking. Uh, the teams that are on the extremes are the better teams in this league. Houston is on the extremes here. You heard, like, they're either first or last in whatever we're talking about. Uh, The Jazz run more picks and handoffs than anyone else in the league by a huge margin, by about 35% over league average. Uh, Golden State runs the fewest picks and the most off-ball screens of anyone in the league. New Orleans, uh, I think, is a very high pick team. Uh... Cleveland has some uniqueness to them. Toronto, we just talked about. It's the number two drive team in the league. Number two pick team in the league. Um, Boston 
I'd have to look through uh, some of theirs, but there's some uniqueness, I know, to what they do. It's it's interesting that just having that clear identity of who you are seems to be as important as anything else. Um, I was analyzing some teams and looking at, and they didn't have any element, you know, of that. And there's there's really nothing, and and so therefore there's no kind of essence uh, to who they are. So where Houston is the most different gets for the Jazz in the series is gets in transition. When they played Oklahoma City, you're running back to the middle of the paint. You're building a wall, and you're trying to prevent Westbrook from going coast to coast. Okay, that's it's really you're, you're sprinting back to the middle of the paint, regardless of where guys are, you're forming the wall with two or three other guys, and then you're coming from the paint out to the ball. For the Houston Rockets, you are running back full throttle, probably not watching necessarily the ball, and you are finding a man, not your man, a man in transition with uh, regardless of whether you're a big or a small or who you are. You, you are just going to get that guy. And then if it's Harden, you really have to be on your toes. But these guys get 1.36 points per transition. Position chance. One point three six. That is inc- that's an incredible number. Uh, the Warriors and the Cavaliers are next. Toronto's next at one point three five, and then the Warriors at one point three three. So, um, you know, there, there's a real value to those teams that can get out and do transition well. Uh, we increased our transition this year. And our 11th, we're at one point overall, 1.29. And then, even though it feels like we're not very good at it, and we're 18th in the league in transition opportunities, so which was a big uptick for us. So that's a huge change, is the idea that you're now running back and webbing out. And today, the Jazz will do that on the floor to try to get used to it for the first time. Yesterday, they did no floor work. That's how tired this group was that they deemed yesterday as a rest day, no floor work. A little surprising, only because I know how much coach likes to prepare. But there's a point where three days straight of preparing, the guys aren't going to take it in. They did a film session, uh, and then Jay and Royce met with the media. But that was, but they did not you know, go out and really dig in on the floor. They'll do that. Uh, today. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Guys, I'm backing up. Well, intending to if my wife can see over the back chairs. Uh, I'm backing up everything I've said. We are buying a Santa Fe. It was the first new car we have bought since we bought a car in Seattle in probably we got married in 2001. So probably in 2001 we bought a new car. It's the first new car we're buying. 
We're buying the Hyundai Santa Fe with the third row of seats. We decided not to get the captain's chair. So it has three seats in the middle and then two in the back. Great space. All the safety features. We're very excited about it. The pending thing is my wife's got to go down there, drive the car, and uh, see whether or not she's only four foot eleven. So can she still see out of the back seat of the car uh, through the headrest? That's some of those. Some cars they, they the way they change the back, she can't see, um, and so that'll be that'll be the deciding. But otherwise, we have the car chosen out. And I'm backing it up. Why am I doing that? One, because I've gotten to know the Murdochs and really, really believe in them. Uh, I'm going to take advantage of the free car washes and oil changes for life. And I don't think I'm going to take advantage of the price match guarantee or the five-day return policy. I drove the Santa Fe. I've driven the Ionic. I've driven the Tucson. I'm driving the Kona right now. And it bat every single time. It's the same experience of just that same uh, high-quality Plus, I get the 100,000 Hyundai Mile Assurance, and that's why we're doing it. 4646 South State Street. It's Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Mazuma USA. How many people have you heard complaining about taxes recently? Oh, oh, everyone. How cool would it be is if you're the guy who's not doing that? If you have one to five employees and you're not using Mazuma USA, you're losing money and clarity. For $75 a month, they do all your bookkeeping, unlimited consultation with a CPA, and they do reports for you every month. You meet with them, they get hooked into your information, immediately give you your first report, quarterly they give you tax planning advice, and at the end of the year you have all of your tax documents ready for you to be done. You get your own CPA and your own bookkeeper for $75 a month, and you get it for 25% off if you use the promo code LOCKED. MazumaUSA.com. That's 801-980-2102. 801-980-2102. No contract. Cancel at any time. No hidden fees. MazumaUSA.com. Use the promo code LOCKED. 801-980-2102 for a free consultation. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's walk through three Rockets play sets. Hard to do on the audio version of a podcast, but let's see what we can do. And and it's so the first thing we talked about is how different transition is on coverage to 
with Russell West with the Rockets versus the Thunder. Now let's talk about pick and roll. How different you do it with Russell Westbrook than you do it with James Harden. So Russell Westbrook comes into a Stephen Adams pick, and your goal as the defender is to go under the pick. What does that mean? That means you are going between the pick being set by Stephen Adams. You're going on the basket side of the pick. You're going under, and you're forcing the a a off the dribble three if he wants to take it, or if it, the pick is set low, even better. You're forcing an off the bounce pull up jumper, and Russell Westbrook is about 28, 29% on those shots. So you're completely comfortable with him taking that shot. And that's how you expose uh, him. And it's why I you know, talked about he versus Dame Lillard as being much more guardable. Uh, now, James Harden comes off that pick with Clint Capella. First off, it's usually set higher, which makes it a little bit more difficult. And the second thing is... James Harden shoots the three at 42% on pull-up, off-the-bounce threes so far this year in the playoffs. And in the regular, and he's taking 10 a game. And in the regular season, taking eight pull-up threes a game, he shot 39%. So if he's coming off the pick, you can't go under. You have to stay attached to him and get on the top side of the pick away from the basket, and almost play defense from behind him. Ideally, you can get back out in front, but he's so good and big that once he gets you on his hip, he's going to be able to hold you there. And by the way, if you're wondering, James Harden went to the Astros-Yankees game last night. We went to the Astros-Yankees game last night. We had a uh, a team, uh, we had some seats, and then we went up, uh, the team had a suite for the players. Uh, bought a suite for the players, and James Harden was in the suite two over with his buddies. Uh, so there, James Harden, regular guy, going to a baseball game just like you and I. He can be in People Magazine. The So he comes off the pick. You have to stay attached to him on the backside. Now he's coming downhill at Rudy Gobert, and Clint Capella, who set the pick, is rolling to the basket. And really at this point, Gobert has to do this incredible job of guarding both of them at the same time. And frankly, the way Gobert does that is he just continues to retreat the whole time. And Harden knows it, and Harden's going to come all the way. And the minute Rudy takes one step toward Harden, he's throwing the lob to Capella. It's brutal. The defender probably still on the backside, is trying to make sure that he doesn't stop and pull up for three or then can't really stop and pull up and is at least uncomfortable. Uh, that James is at least uncomfortable with someone hovering uh, kind of behind him. It sounds weird, but it actually works if you watch it. Uh, Draymond, Iggy Dollar, some of the best at it. The weird one on Harden, if you can keep him off the rim, which he's become so... So good at getting to. We'll talk about that in a second. If you can make him shoot in that five to nine foot range, he's about 34%. So he's coming into the paint. Rudy continues to back up, and he puts up one of his little floaters. That's the shot you actually want from him. Anytime you see that, the defense is working. This is what he used to have as his option on that. 
recently, what he's done is he has developed a way, because most teams force him to his right, where he goes right off that pick and roll if you, if you force him that way. And then he die, brings the dribble back to the left and into the body of the shot blocker and finishes on the left side of the rim. It's pretty awesome. Uh, this guy's offensive composition is Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Larry Bird. This is one of the five greatest offensive players we've ever seen. And at 30 points, five rebounds, nine assists this year, he backs it up. And then when you dig in whether there's any weaknesses, it's pretty hard to find any. And he's probably at 28 years old right now at his absolute peak that he'll ever be at. He'll get he continues to get smarter, but in regards to athleticism and intelligence, probably at his absolute peak right now. And, and so that's that's how you have to guard that. It's an incredibly difficult, much more difficult than guarding Russell Westbrook. The next thing they do, they run a huge amount of their actions of with double picks, particularly against the Timberwolves they did this. Uh, did it more against the Timberwolves than they did in game one against us. What they, When they do set an off-ball screen, which we talked about they don't do very often, the player coming off is coming off a double stagger. So if you switch, the guy who switches get hits, gets hit immediately by another pick and you've got to switch again. And then they always have their biggest guy on the outside, so now you have your last switch is by a pick. It also means that you have a chance to make a mistake on that switch. And if you're not switching, you really can't go under it because if you try to go under or gap, as they say, the first guy. So if you're guarding down on the right corner and they he, the guy's coming up to the top and there's a double pick waiting, if you go under the first one, what they do is they just drop the second one even lower, and then you're forced to go under that as well. Now you're two guys, maybe three guys, removed from Eric Gordon, who just caught it on the outside for a three. So you're forced to work over the top, and the second pick moves a little bit higher, and now your route is even pushed out further, and you're... You're now trailing pretty considerably because of those two picks. Very, very difficult to guard. Your three choices are under, which is not an option. They're too good of shooters. You could trail it, but you got to get through two picks. And you can switch it all out, but now you are forced with a big, and if you make any mistake, someone's slipping to the basket. They also run for Harden the double stack. As part of their pick and roll. And Harden's pretty crafty. Teams want Harden going to his right hand because he's not as good a passer with his right hand as he is with his left hand. And so team they'll run that double stack to try to play around and force you, if you're over committing to one side, how they're gonna they're gonna play it. But if you get it going left to right. He has so many options. He comes through the first pick. Again, if you go under at any point, he's pulling back. And he's got a wall of defender uh, pick guys in front of him. If 
you trail him. His first choice is to split those two picks and just beat you. And now you're way behind. And depending on who the first pick is, either Rudy or someone else, uh, if it's Rudy, then you're back into that little Capella thing we talked about. If it's Ryan Anderson or P.J. Tucker or one of their fours, maybe the Jazz switch it. But then because you started on the outside, the the guy started going on the top, if that switches it all late, then whoever's switching rolls to the basket wide open because the other defender was on top. Because the original Harden defender is, is trailing Harden and now is not between man and basket on the roll guy. So you have to make that switch immediately, but then there's a second pick coming on that guy who switched, and it's incredibly hard for him to then get up on top and trail. I don't know if that last one was pretty complicated. I don't know if it makes sense. So they bring Ingles guarding Harden into a pick with Luke Bamute. And so Jay Crowder's defending. So we would just want to switch that. But Crowder was dropped off on Bamute. Now is switched. His assignment's Harden. As we talked about, you want to trail Harden. So he's got to get up through that double stack onto the backside of Harden to drive him into Gobert on the pick and roll and keep him off the three-point line. Gets very, very difficult. The last part of this is you're doing all of this while hugging the outside three-point shooters, so you're not getting any help from anyone else. That's why they're great. It really, it's, it's a, you know, we're playing an unbelievable team, and that is what we're experiencing. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's cool in the sense that, like, uh, that they're awesome. It's not so cool in the fact we have to beat them, but that's what happens at this point in the playoffs. Today's show is brought to you in part by my friend Devin Cash. Devin Cash at Equity Real Estate has been our guy from the very beginning for real estate things. And most recently, I got an email from Richard Molman, who said, I've been a listener to the Lockdown Jazz podcast for three years. I wanted to write you to tell you about the fantastic experience my wife and I had with Devin Cash. Last May in 2017, my wife and I were living in a condo before we got married. She didn't want to live there. She wanted to move. I didn't think I had enough money. It was getting I'm paraphrasing now. It was getting contentious. I was pretty skeptical of what we we're going to do. But after a few days of a market analysis, Devin came back with eight percent higher than I'd anticipated giving us the equity to make the move. He was very upfront that if we made the move, we'd have to pay for some long-term capital gains, which we discussed and decided would still be worth doing. During the process searching out the house, Devin lived up to all the hype I've heard about. Extremely professional, responsive. Never felt like we were being rushed. It was my wife's first time through the process. He explained every step with simplicity and patience. It was a seller's market at the time, so we ended up looking at around 30 to 40 houses and put offers in seven before we finally found ours. We got a perfect home in a quiet neighborhood in Clinton, Utah. Jazz season tickets? Well, we're in Clinton, so therefore Devin bought us a new 55-inch Vizio TV with a sound bar that goes perfectly in our new home. Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate. Devin has been with us. If you need a market analysis done, Devin also would point out, as he did for them, you'd be surprised on how whether you can buy a house. If you think you can't and you're a first-time home buyer, let Devin take a look and see what he might be able to do for you. 801 759 That's 801-759-1495, 801-759-1495. 
Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I've tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. 95. All right, let's do Time Machine Tuesday. Wrap this baby up. Oh, we got a good year. 95-96. That's a fun one. All right, let's go see what we're doing. May, playoffs started later then. Which is funny. I think it's because we didn't have the uh, we didn't have the seven-game series. Uh, so let's go to it. 95-96. This is the year we end up losing to the Sonics in the conference finals. There were some tense moments in that first round, if I remember correctly. I think that's where we're going to find ourselves in that first-round series against the Portland Trailblazers. I was a young, aspiring talk radio host in the market at this point. The May 1st, we played, we went to Portland. Ooh, big day in jazz. So we won game one of the series against Portland, 110 to 102 in 96. We, we came in uh, to this and we won game one. They had That Portland team was Rod Strickland, Aaron McKee, Clifford Robertson, Harvey Grant, Arvita Sabonis, uh, with a pretty poor group off the bench, so we were we were definitely favored. And night one, Jeff Hornacek dropped thirty. John Stockton had twenty three assists. The mailman had thirty three, and the big guns carried us through. Brian Russell came off the bench in twelve minutes, scored twelve points. Oster, we started Felton Spencer. Uh, Sixteen minutes. Antoine Carr played twenty one. Ostertag came off the bench for seventeen. Adam Keefe, Howard Isley, Chris Morris. Chris Morris was either at our game uh, last night or it was going to be. So we won the first one, 110-105. We blew them out in game two on Saturday, 105-90. to Sabonis had 26-12. and uh, Jeff Hornacek had 18. The mailman had 30. David Benoit had a big night. Went three of three from three. Horn- we went seven of nine from three that night. Mailman took two of them. Uh, Mailman did not have a good free throw line. was often, unfortunately, the case in the playoffs. He had 30 points and 14 rebounds, though he was mammoth. And the Jazz ran away up two games to none. I remember this series very vividly. Uh, and I don't have great game recall. And we outscored 28-12 to in that fourth quarter. So then we went to game three, and we lost in overtime. Thought we had a sweep coming our direction in the first round. It was best three out of five then. First quarter, we were up 
Then we didn't score in the in much in the second. Fell behind uh, at halftime. We were down thirty-seven, thirty-one. Barnburner. Uh, both teams shot terribly this game. The effective field goal percentage was both below forty. And then it was close down the stretch, and the Jazz lose in overtime, ninety-four, ninety-one. Mailman was mammoth again. He had thirty-five and ten. Hordasek had quieted down a little. He was went four for thirteen. We went two for ten from three. Uh, Stockton had 13 points, 11 assists, and 5 turnovers. And not a lot off the bench. Antoine Carr had 10. And for the Blazers, this is on May 1st, uh, our Venus opponents had 27, 12. Aaron McKee had 16. Cliff Robinson, 11. Rod Strickland, 19. Rod Strickland had not 8 rebounds, 8 assists, played 45 minutes. Was getting... Let's begin to get into the Jazz. Mailman played 47, Benoit 48, Stockton 46. And what this meant was instead of closing this one out, we lose in overtime. And all of a sudden, we're now tied. We're now down 2-1. So now we go to May 1st. I'm sorry, that was not May 1st. This is May 1st. On May 1st, we got hit pretty good. Down 10 at the end of 1. Down 14 at the half. Really got kind of beat. Just got beat solidly that night. Uh, despite Hornacek going back off for 30, Benoit having 13, Stockton had 11 points, 11 assists. The mailman had just 15 that night on 4 of 16 shooting. He shot 7 of 12 from the line again. And Rod Strickland was now putting on John a little bit in the defense. 27 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Arvidas had 25 and 13, and we were now tied two games apiece, wondering, oh, dear, oh, goodness, do we have another first-round failure coming uh, before we waited all the way till Sunday, May 5th, to play at home, and then the Jazz just whitewashed the Blazers 102-64. to 102-64. Mailman went 3 of 10 from the free throw line in that game, but had 25 points and 10 rebounds. Stockton had 11 assists, and and the Jazz defense, just an incredible display uh, in that game five. We'd go on to then play, I believe, was the Dennis Rodman-laden Spurs and all of the disaster that they were. Uh, But the Jazz win that series against Portland in five on that final day. Pretty pretty exciting stuff. Mailman finished the series 28 points, 10 rebounds, 30 of 60 from the line, so he left some out there. Stockton, uh, Jeff finished with 20 points, 4. Stockton, 14 and 4. And not a lot of other help uh, for the Jazz. Rod Strickland finished averaging 20.6 rebounds, 8 assists, and Arvita Sabonis, 24 points and 10 rebounds. Too bad we never saw Sabonis at his peak. And the Jazz win that series. So there it is, Time Machine Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Back with you tomorrow on Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now, wherever you get podcasts, and hit that subscribe button.